0: Voices. what's up guys welcome to yet another episode of our 24th podcast and today guys i'm all alone because we are doing something different this is actually the second interview we are hosting on this podcast and in this episode we're gonna be talking about everything fintech and i'm hosting someone very interesting if I hope I got that right. <laughs> if I, if I only, yeah. So if I is the Kenyan lead for Flourish Ventures, which is actually a global fintech venture capital firm that has a lot of focus on African startups. FinTech startups are more I hope I got that right. Yeah, so maybe uh, If I only, maybe just go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Absolutely. Um thank you so much for having me. Um, It's it's great to have this conversation and discuss fintech, which is a really exciting time on the continent. Mm -hmm. Um, So just quickly about myself, my name is Ifai Uh Omikar. I work as a principal with Flourish Ventures. Uh Um, We're a venture capital fund. We invest in startups all across the world. Uh Um, We're based in Silicon Valley, but we just opened our Kenya office last month. And so I'm excited to be here and be in Nairobi um, and to to talk with you.
0: Yeah. And thanks. You mentioned uh, that you actually opened an office here in Nairobi. So tell us about this. Why Nairobi? Out of any other African country, why Nairobi? Or why Kenya?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So I'm I'm actually from West Africa originally. So mm-hmm. my father's is is from Sierra Leone, and I spent um, most of my adult life either in Lagos, Abuja, or, or Freetown. Mm-hmm. And I moved to Nairobi uh, just two years ago now. Ah, so I've been here for a while. Okay. I've been here for a bit now. Okay. Um, before I was working with Lori Systems, mm-hmm. the uh, tech-enabled logistics company based oh, yeah, here in Nairobi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think Kenya has enjoyed a really positive story. For, for quite some time now mm-hmm. when it comes to fintech and technology more broadly. Uh-huh. Um, you know, some of the early wins everyone knows about M-Pesa and about some of the money that's been raised by yeah. by technology firms here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only continuing today. Yeah. And so if you look at, you know, we just opened an office last month, but we've already had three, three or four investments here in Kenya. Well already. Um, for years, yeah. Okay. Um, and so we knew we've we looked at this opportunity and I think for us, um, you know, we want to be on the ground. And so We have a team based in London that that focuses on Africa as well. Mm -hmm. But we realize that things are actually moving so quickly now. Um, Even with COVID, even with some of the the, the hardships that that have happened in the last couple of years, uh, the trends and the opportunities are moving very quickly. Mm-hmm. And in order to be on top of that, in order to be in front of that, which mm-hmm. is where we try to be, mm-hmm. um, it's important to be on the ground to be able to engage with not just entrepreneurs and investors, but mm-hmm. others in the ecosystem that are helping to move things forward. Yeah, And so that's why we wanted
0: to have a presence on the ground and then we mm-hmm. based uh, Okay, and it's interesting that you mentioned actually focus on the ground. And I think, you know, your area of focus being FinTech, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, uh, Africa has been described as one of the most exciting markets when it comes to FinTech. Yeah. So from your own opinion, as you know, uh, how would you describe the fintech space in Africa right now? Where are we? Where? Exactly.
1: Yeah, you know, in this very moment, it's probably one of the most exciting times for fintech in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's is why. It's not just because there's exciting opportunities, there's exciting investments. Um, it's because the amount of resources mm-hmm. that are being put into fintech, particularly for startup fintechs, uh-huh. is more than it's ever been. Um, and that's been, that's been evidenced by some of the um, new developments. I mean, we've seen some major investments. Mm-hmm. One of our portfolio companies, Flutterwave, um, they just raised you know, over $150 million mm-hmm. uh, last month. Mm-hmm. And so they're now valued at over a billion dollars. Wow. One mm-hmm. of the first fintech unicorns on the continent, mm-hmm. um, which is exciting to see. And you know, a lot of the capital is coming from local investors mm-hmm. who are those who have started this trend but it's actually shifting, You know, a lot of external investors are also putting resources into Africa. Mm-hmm. And I think for a long time in Africa, we've had people taking from Africa without putting in. Yeah, exactly. And now we see a lot of people willing to invest in, in not just entrepreneurs, but in, in whole ecosystems in Africa. Mm-hmm. We've seen the same with, with um, the same with Paystack in, in Nigeria, where mm-hmm. uh, you know they came and invested in the company as well. Uh, we even see it with companies that aren't in fintech. Mm-hmm. Twitter just opened a you know a big, yeah, a big presence know, yeah. in Ghana, mm-hmm. um, and so it's very clear now that uh, you know. Foreign investors are recognizing the opportunity in Africa, Mm -hmm. and that's actually leading to, I think, a bit more prominence and a bit more resources being dedicated to this space. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to be a part of that, to be on the ground and to help a lot of these entrepreneurs capture some of those resources Mm -hmm. and use it to help build and scale the companies.
0: Okay. And and you think this is actually something going to be seeing moving forward?
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. And you know, again, when you think about tech trends, right, Yeah, uh, it's often these innovative Tech companies who are the first movers—they're mm-hmm. a bit, bit more risk takers, which is why you'll see, you know, Twitter and Stripe and some of these investors mm-hmm. coming first. And then after that, the mainstream becomes a bit more popular. So yeah, I think yeah. we're just at the first wave of it. Yeah,
0: okay, and of course we can't we can't actually talk about you know those opportunities without with talking about the Africa Continental Free Trade that actually uh, was, um, you know, unveiled a couple of months ago, and of course, when you talk, when you see these, uh, it actually creates a lot of opportunities, especially for startups—not just even even fintechs, just startups across the board. Mm-hmm. So, for the fintech space, what do you think this free trade? What opportunity what, what, what do you think it presents for especially now let's talk about fintechs, so start us considering it's, it's your area of focus.
1: Yeah, so so maybe I'll start by talking about my last job. So I was yeah. a CFO of Lori Systems, yes. and Lori was a long haul trucking company. Mm-hmm. We moved goods across 12, 13 countries across yeah. Africa, East Africa, West Africa, and Southern Africa. Well, that's massive. It's massive, right? And so if you think about some of our biggest corridors, you know, Mombasa to Kampala Mm because Mombasa is the biggest port in East Mm -hmm. Africa. Mm -hmm. And so we would, every month, we would move thousands of trucks of goods, right? hundreds of thousands of tons of goods from from the port in Mombasa to Kampala. Now, for that move to happen, I need to have a bank account in in Kenya. Mm -hmm. I need to have a bank account in Uganda. I need to do cross settlement bank transfers. I -hmm. need to have licenses in Kenya and Uganda. Mm -hmm. I need to have insurance in Kenya and Uganda. Mm -hmm. And if you think about um, all the efficiencies that come from that, right, and especially when you think about financing. Um, If you look at the goals for the free trade agreement, you know, the two ones that stick out for me is providing a single market for goods. yeah, So a way that we can um, have trade without having restrictive tariffs and barriers. Um, And the second is, to facilitate investment, Mm -hmm. right? Because so much of our investment is concentrated in either your country or more specifically, you know, your your small community, right? You know this person, so you'll invest in their company or your friend told you about it, so you invest in it. Um, I think the the goal for Africa, and I think the, the reason why it's actually so exciting to have a free trade agreement, because it opens up this opportunity mm-hmm. for, for cross-border trade. Yeah. But also, there's a mentality shift mm-hmm. where we all are a collective. Yeah. It's not just each individual group, mm-hmm. tribe, mm-hmm. or country mm-hmm. trying to facilitate their own their own needs. So I think it's really exciting. And I think for fintech, it'll make it much, much easier for yeah. companies to operate. Mm-hmm. And it'll
0: increase the opportunities they have to mm-hmm. invest in other places. Yeah, because previously, I mean, before this trend came in, there are so many barriers that are actually hindering even for other solutions to expand to other markets.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, And yeah. I think those barriers, I mean, Again, you know, each time we, we talk about so all these companies want to grow fast, want to mm-hmm. scale mm-hmm. and want to be Pan-African countries mm-hmm. or Pan-African companies. Mm-hmm. But to be a Pan-African company is incredibly challenging, mm-hmm. right? A company has to register in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And if they want to go to Tanzania, mm-hmm. it's a whole different. You might as well start a new company. Yeah, you know, the, 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 we don't have those those opportunities for to fast track. Uh, um, that type of scale. And so hopefully this
0: helps open that up. A bit. Mm, okay. And, and uh, based on that, I, I write so much about startups, especially fintechs. And uh, one of the things I've been gathering is like, uh, you know, from as early as 2020, yeah, uh, figures show that VC funding for African tech startups, African fintech startup, had risen by 51%. So one thing I always want a specialist like you to explain to me why there's always so much interest by VCs in fintech startups. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And maybe to answer that question, I'll, I'll, I'll go back again. And what, you know, I'm a VC, what mm-hmm. is my goal, right? Mm-hmm. My goal is I raise money and raise capital from yeah. investors, mm-hmm. um, you know, different types of investors. And I need to, in five to seven years, show a return for that capital. Mm-hmm. So I need to pick companies that will grow 10, 15, 20 X mm-hmm. right in mm-hmm. size. In five to seven years, so that means these companies it can't be traditional, mm-hmm. traditional companies, right? Mm-hmm. Because their growth scale is not going to be that. Yeah. Um, so it has to be companies that start at uh, with an idea, uh-huh. but have the potential mm-hmm. to grow twenty x in five years, mm-hmm. right? And so as a VC, you have to identify what sectors can provide that type of return. Uh-huh. You know, you you know, there's some sectors that fundamentally you won't be able to get that return. You know that for, for the tr- uh, traditional brick and mortar, um, mm-hmm. sectors, mm-hmm. Uh, like things like traditional manufacturing, yeah. um, you know, you can get very solid returns. You can make a lot, you can make good money, mm-hmm. but you won't get the return expectations that venture capitals need mm-hmm. in order to, to raise a fund. So it's like running any other business, running other business. Right. And so you need to make sure that you've identified what sectors can that be before. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and to answer your question, so your question is why are VCs looking at FinTech? Well, Fintech is the foundational infrastructure that enables all types of growth in Africa. Mm-hmm. What do I mean? So I, you know, beginning early in my career, I worked at Jumia. Uh-huh. And Jumia, no one thinks of it as a fintech company. It's mm-hmm. e-commerce, yeah. it's logistics. The only thing that makes Jumia that, that one of the, the, the priorities for Jumia to scale was always to facilitate payments mm-hmm. in order for them to grow their their business. They needed companies like Flutterwave and Paystack to come in. Mm-hmm. They needed m to come in so that they can do deliveries and not just do cash on delivery, but they can have people pay before they get delivered. Mm-hmm. That helps increase their working capital flow. Mm-hmm. So all these things, I mean, FinTech is, is the, the base layer that enables all the growth for all types of other industries, mm-hmm. um, including e-commerce, including logistics. Yeah. And I think because investors are recognizing that the African growth story, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to technology and venture, yeah. is really just starting to escalate, uh, it's a safe bet to bet on FinTech mm-hmm. because FinTech is, a, in order for that growth story to happen, mm-hmm. you need to have this layer of payments and credit, yeah. right? In order, or otherwise you won't get to those achievements. Mm-hmm. And so I think VCs like ourselves, um, we we are really excited about fintech because we think that um, fundamentally it is an enabler for so many other sectors, mm-hmm. and that the opportunity for growth is so high yeah. because we're starting from a low base. Yeah, true. Um, And and I'll talk about one other thing, right, from a different angle. Um, you know, flourish. Part of our our our, our objective is to enable um, financial freedom for those for those globally, mm-hmm. and in our minds, one of the biggest the biggest. Um, opportunities for equality and for growth as a, as a world, as a, mm. as a as humanity, is to enable financial empowerment um, and fintech provides the best chance in my mind to do that. Mm. Why do I say fintech? Well, if you think about the, the many issues that we have, um, that we've encountered, mm-hmm. uh, some of them are structural, some of them are day to day, right? Uh, different people have tried. Yeah. You we know, have governments tried, we yeah. had public mm-hmm. sector, we've had NGOs, we've had all these people try. In my experience, the the, the place, the, the, the sector that has had the most, has catalyzed the most change mm-hmm. and the most sort of leapfrog growth mm-hmm. has always been venture capital, always been entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurs will hustle, will fight to make things work yeah. in a ways that bigger institutions can't. So if you think about the nature of the problems that we face in some of the markets where we operate mm-hmm. in, 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 in Africa, mm-hmm. um, I think that uh, entrepreneurship provides the best opportunity to solve those problems, yeah. and I think if you think about the financial sector, that same thing goes. FinTech is probably the best place mm-hmm. uh, to solve the issues we have with people not having access to mobile credit, yeah. not having access to mobile wallets, mm-hmm. not being able to make transfer payments without exorbitant fees. And this actually
0: things that big institutions like banks were have been trying to avoid, you know. And if you think about the banking sector, I mean,
1: I think the banks. I've worked with many of the banks here in Kenya and Nigeria so, across the continent, and they are all. Uh, well-meaning, but if you think of the the goal for a bank is to make money, right? (laughs) And so oftentimes the banks aren't incentivized to develop products for people that don't reach a certain segment. Mm -hmm. So that means for micro-businesses or for uh, low-income earners, It it doesn't make sense for a bank to give you credit doesn't Mm. make sense for a bank to develop a facility to service them Mm. And so if you think about that gap where there are still many many people who don't have access to banking services But still would benefit from them. Yeah, I think entrepreneurs and fintechs are probably the best place to solve that
0: Because banks don't really build solutions. They don't they're not (laughs) supposed to that's not their goal, right? Their goal is
1: to make money. Yeah, and they make money based on having certain customers and offering certain products Mm. And so for them if you think about it, what Mm. is their incentive to offer? Products to people that aren't going to make the money, right? Mm-hmm. It's really expensive. Um, whereas fintechs, there's a very different sort of alternative, yeah. sort of different objectives.
0: There. Uh, okay, I mean, let's talk now about you know, some of the companies in your portfolio. I, mean, mm-hmm. I know there's a, uh, you know, there's uh, Apollo Agriculture, there's Fair Money, financial mm-hmm. service, and Flatwave. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, Lendable, Polar, uh, Pula, or was it Pula? Yeah. How do you pronounce that? Pula, yeah. So, I mean, putting all this together, you know, are there any other? Startups you are eyeing right now, you are looking to actually work with. Yeah, so I'll. <laughs> I know I'll, it's gonna be hard for you to mention yeah. names, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe I'll say I'll say to that. So I, I don't want to give specific yeah. companies because I might get in trouble for that, and yeah. I don't want to get in trouble today. Okay. Um, but I'll talk about a few sectors that I think are really really interesting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, one is what I would call embedded finance, mm-hmm. which means we invest in fintech, but there's a lot of companies that can offer financial services products mm-hmm. that aren't fintech companies. Um, here's an example. In Kenya right now, we have um, Soka Watch. Yeah, They do deliveries to informal retailers. Mm-hmm. They give FMCG goods, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and most people think of them as a logistics company, yeah. right? They work with m- merchants and they deliver goods. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, Sokowatch is best placed to be a financial services company mm-hmm. because all these merchants, they have... A, they have visibility to how much they're ordering, to how much they're earning. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can offer these companies credit for Soka Watch goods. Mm-hmm. And then once you offer credit, then you start to have a transaction history. Mm-hmm. So then you have a, a whole window of financial products, mm-hmm. insurance, uh, mobile wallets, uh, peer-to-peer payments. And so they actually are best placed. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about who can service informal merchants, mm-hmm. which are huge. Obviously, every, every corner you go to in the street, you'll see an informal merchant. Who's best place to do that? Well, it's actually a company like Soka Watch as opposed to a traditional lender. So a traditional lender won't know how much their person is ordering. Mm -hmm. They won't know um, know, how much they're earning every month. They won't know how reliable a customer they are. And so this whole segment of embedded finance has really emerged, I would say, in the last two to three years Mm -hmm. to be very popular, where I've started to look at so many non-traditional FinTech companies. Mm -hmm. Um, You you could be a hair salon or you could be an ad company. Mm -hmm. And if you have a, a, a repeating customer set, and you start to collect data on that customer, mm-hmm. that means you are you are you you can be a financial institution. Mm-hmm. You, know, you won't be a bank, but you can partner with people to facilitate a lot of different products and services. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about that because it just expands the addressable market for mm-hmm. so many of these companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one I would say is sort of this open API infrastructure. Yeah. You know, everyone's talking about APIs and who has access to APIs. And so a lot of these companies, you know, right now, there's not an open banking culture in Africa quite mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. And so for a FinTech company to access uh you know a bank's data or a bank's APIs Mm -hmm. is really really challenging and so a lot of companies are trying to do what plaid did in the u.s Mm -hmm. which is um facilitate an integration between uh you know companies and banks Mm -hmm. so so that if i you know apply for a loan through Branch, for instance, mm. instead of you know them having to, I have to go through this long process to access my banking information mm-hmm. and submit it and get it verified. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone can plug directly between um, my banking account mm-hmm. and this, this this application, right? Mm-hmm. So that all that information is is, is easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I love these ideas that facilitate. Um, more efficient transactions and grow the pool of opportunity, uh-huh. and so those are the two sectors that I think are really interesting and mm-hmm. can and really can sort of be transformative, not just in Kenya but across the continent. Ah, okay. And some
0: of these companies like like Flutterwave, they're really building some really interesting products.
1: Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, just going back to the beginning, like Flutterwave built the payment processor yeah. and then the aggregator that merchants need. I mean, think about how many times you want to use your credit card mm-hmm. to order something from GMIA or to go to your restaurant or mm-hmm. to go to a local store. Um, you know, that was five years ago, that yeah. was very, very, very challenging, right? And if you think about Futter Wave, it's so exciting because um, they're an integrator of a system, mm-hmm. right? You still have credit card companies visas and Mastercards. Yeah. you still have the banks you still have all these other players the POS devices etc um, but they've been able to t- find this really this, this gap that was really holding everyone back mm-hmm. and plug that gap mm-hmm. um, and, and, they've, and they've seen the challenges they faced mm-hmm. but they've been able to do that in Nigeria and now they're going country by country across the continent to mm-hmm. find, so so I'm excited about about companies like that that mm-hmm. see a real challenge mm-hmm. um, develop a solution scale it and then move that across different places across the, mm-hmm. the continent.
0: And that's basically what what you know fintech companies are doing. The idea is to disrupt you know, the financial sector. Yeah,
1: exactly. And and, and I think I mean and, and you know this as well. I mean, disrupting the financial sector is really challenging, mm-hmm. right? Because the incumbent players, oftentimes, they're yeah. making a lot of money, mm-hmm. and they are they like the way that things work. Mm-hmm. And so the, the the dual challenge of figuring out a solution, which is tough, right? You have to be smart. You have to be hustle. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then battling an institution. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, these institutions are supported by very powerful forces. Uh, So those two, for an entrepreneur, are very, very daunting. And I think the success of Flutterwave helps people to understand that this path is possible. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, and even not more importantly, but equally important, um, this path is potentially very lucrative. Mm -hmm. Right. You can earn. A lot of money for yourself, your community, for your teams mm. uh, by doing this sort of unorthodox path, mm. and so I think that this is a great time when everyone's sort of starting to recognize that and shift their priorities to making these innovative solutions. Yeah,
0: I, I think should be. Last year, I attended one of these big fintech conferences that was being hosted by, you know, um, the Central Bank of Kenya, and um, um, the governor was saying, even you know, right now banks are scared of fintechs and that's why a number of them are now building a lot of fintech products mm-hmm. we've seen banks like equity building you know fintech products we've seen other you know any other bank they're trying to build fintech products mm-hmm.
1: yeah and, and, and you have to ask yourself a question though why would a bank you know with a big balance sheet yeah. and, you mm-hmm. know tons of customers they have the institutional backing of governments often why would they be scared of a few 20 30 year olds that don't have any money that don't have any experience mm-hmm well it's because the objectives are very different right cuz these these guys the the the, the, fintechs, the startups their objective is i'm trying to solve a problem yeah. mm-hmm. you know i want to solve a problem and i want to and build a solution that i know people will use that mm-hmm. i know will help my life be better mm-hmm. and the banks are trying to make money not to say that they don't want to solve problems but they 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 have a very clear goal and objective mm-hmm. and so i think for for many of these the for many of these banks you know they're in i won't say they're incapable but it'll be very very challenging mm-hmm. for them to develop solutions the same way that fintechs can mm-hmm. because they there's different objectives yeah. right and a fintech can 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 lose five times right they can they can mess up and and still get back up and figure out another solution but for banks they don't want to lose money they yeah. don't want to lose customers mm-hmm. they
0: have too much to lose yeah. in order for them to be successful in these in these segments, mm-hmm. these segments. Mm-hmm. and of course we can't end this conversation without talking you know uh, about what the world is currently going on we're going through a pandemic right mm-hmm. now and of course you know at some point it has affected you know investments in african startups. so i mean for vc vc firms like yours or like for you as a vc how has this pandemic really affected you know for example your ability to invest in you know africa over the past you know year, and of course now that this pandemic is stretching to now this <laughs>
1: no you yeah, are i mean you know when the, when the pandemic first started we did a big Bit of research on gig workers mm-hmm. and how they were affected by yeah. by by corona the gig economy the gig economy exactly mm-hmm. and we found that you know 75 percent over 75 percent of gig workers uh lost their job lost income mm-hmm. i mean that's that's a huge percentage right especially as you think about how the gig economy is developing and mm-hmm. how it encompasses so many different types of people now um, and so this this is interesting right so you think about all right gig economy is suffering um you know, low-income people have have been most affected. Mm-hmm. They they haven't had the opportunities to go to work, to go to the store, yeah. etc. And then you think about, okay, well, what has what has thrived? What's prospered? Um, fintech has prospered, right? Mm-hmm. Fintech doesn't need you to be in person. It doesn't yeah, yeah. you know? A lot of these companies are, are digital solutions anyway. Yeah. And so you can still do digital payments. You can still do digital credit. Mm-hmm. You can still access some of these financial products even in a pandemic mm-hmm. and that's why so many of the technology companies have have surged in the pandemic mm-hmm. and so then the you know it becomes an actually a quite interesting and exciting prospect mm-hmm. which is this gap that covid has 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 brought has already been filled by certain companies yeah. and certain ideas and as you mentioned it's still ongoing mm-hmm. and so we have this great opportunity right now to think about well what does the ideal structure look like mm-hmm. you know when you think about the financial sector you know, the old way had its own challenges and some of the old old ways has already died in the last year. It's had mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. right? The traditional, some of the traditional banking sector has suffered. Some of the traditional ways of making payments, you know, everyone's going cash cashless, yeah. contactless, mm-hmm. et cetera. Some of the traditional ways have already, already fallen to the wayside. So we now have this great chance to say, Let's construct a new world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We, we, it's not that the, the old one is burnt to zero, mm-hmm. but it's certainly taken a step back, and there certainly is a gap and opportunity has been filled. Mm-hmm. And so, so for us, I mean, we had to re reevaluate the utility and the effectiveness of so many different products mm-hmm. to think about what was going to be in the new world, yeah. what will be um, what will be useful. And so, I think it's presented a great opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. I, I think the other thing that it's, it's precipitated is a mentality shift. Uh-huh. So, so many people that were reluctant to do online shopping yeah. right, or mm-hmm. reluctant to, uh, you know, t- take a loan from a non-banking institution because mm-hmm. they, they didn't have that trust or, vis- or visibility. They had to, right? You have, If you wanted to get a, a, a gift for someone yeah. in October mm-hmm. or July of last year, you wanted to risk going to a store and risk your life? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. You know, some people were living <laughs> with their parents. Yeah. Some, mm-hmm. some people ha- didn't have the opportunity to do that. And so, they were forced to try this new new ways of working and new ways of operating. Mm-hmm. The same thing with working from home. The same thing with uh, so many different wearing a mask, etc. And so now everyone understands that we are more resilient than we think. Mm-hmm. You know, we have these. There are ways in which we can operate. That are not the traditional way Mm -hmm. and in fact might be a more efficient and effective way Mm -hmm. and so this mentality shift i think will have a big change in consumer behavior Mm -hmm. so the products that you know initially you'd have this big education process Mm -hmm. and you had to invest a lot of influencers to change people's mindset Mm -hmm. about using certain things Mm -hmm. um i think that, that that friction will reduce. I think people will be more willing to try new things mm-hmm. and have already been forced to try some of those things. And mm-hmm. so, again, it presents a, a new opportunity for, for us as investors, but I think a lot of these companies will will see a great shift and a great opportunity for them as well.
0: Okay. I you know that we actually, I mean, as I mentioned, the pandemic is stretching the second year now. What does it mean for the, you know, as we wind up, what does it mean for the future of FinTech in Africa? I mean, how does this future look like? Yeah no absolutely I think you know one thing you mentioned the Afc Afc
1: I'm not sure if I'm making that acronym but the free trade agreement yeah um and and the the beauty what I, what I'm most excited about you know um, is is sort of the integration that's happening across mm-hmm. the continent um, entrepreneurs from Kenya are talking to entrepreneurs from Nigeria mm-hmm. Egypt South Africa uh, and and they are all Sort of dealing with the same problems, uh-huh. you know. COVID was this great opportunity for us as a as a, as a humanity, yeah. because everyone you know in the world was affected. Mm-hmm. Everyone you know in the last twelve months has gone through emotional instability, yeah. professional instability, and so there's this like shared, um, there's this shared experience that I think creates a really great opportunity for shared learnings, mm-hmm. and so these learnings are going to be shared with everyone, and so. For me, I think that COVID has forced people to be very resilient and to come together in ways that they did not think about before, mm-hmm. and what that and what that translates to is, you know, going forward. Um, The the solutions won't be siloed. It won't be a competitive space. It Mm -hmm. won't be, I need to beat this company, my neighbor, Mm -hmm. uh, which you've seen this sort of tribalism in so many different industries, but also in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, how do we tackle problems together? The solutions, we've realized the last year, Mm -hmm. the solutions are so massive. They're life and death, right? Mm -hmm. We need to come together in order for things to work. Mm -hmm. And so, and we're still not out of it yet. And so I think people will be more eager to collaborate on these type of solutions Mm -hmm. in the next year Mm -hmm. um, and to share some of these learnings. And I think as a result, we'll all be better off.
0: -hmm. Wow, and and how how is how is uh, you know uh, Flourish contributing to this? Yeah, I think
1: and and I'm I I'm very honest and reflective about my role as an investor. Like I'm not an entrepreneur anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, in some ways maybe, but but I'm not. You know, in the market every day. I'm not. You know, working with the truckers every day as I was in Lori or Jimmy all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So so our goal is to facilitate this. And if we think that the best opportunities are coming from learning and collaborating with people in different markets, Mm -hmm. is from. Getting the experiences and data from this last year and Mm -hmm. seeing what shifts and sectors are really going to be booming. Mm -hmm. So, our goal is we sit, uh, you know, we have this great opportunity to interact with so many different entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. in so many different sectors. And I see us as a facilitator. Mm -hmm. So, we can connect some of these different groups Mm -hmm. and some of these different ideas to help build a a better whole. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of the things that makes me excited uh, when I think about our portfolio is we have a diverse portfolio across agriculture, payments, credit. Um, you know, bead of logistics and in East Africa, West Africa, North, South, and then across the world. Right. And so every day I'm getting to talk with these entrepreneurs and they're all working on, you know, these fascinating things like of things course. that I'm personally not smart enough to really understand half the time, mm-hmm. but things that are really exciting. Mm-hmm. And it's great to think about how can I ensure that all of these entrepreneurs mm-hmm. are, are working together? Uh-huh. How can I ensure that some of these ideas mm-hmm. are moving, not just from, you know, from from one Kenyan ag company to another Kenyan ag company. Mm -hmm. But it's like, are these ideas moving across the continent? Are the best practices of how to raise money, of how to educate people, of Mm -hmm. how to develop develop a product, are those being shared? Well, I have to think so. Um, and, and, And so my role and our role really is to bring these people together and to share these experiences so that they know what they build off. So we're all building together on the same idea um, as opposed to working in silos, which I think was was more common before the pandemic.
0: Ah, awesome. Thank you so much for those interesting insights. Remember, we've been talking about FinTech in Africa. And of course, these are conversations we can't actually stop talking about because FinTech, as I mentioned, keeps growing. There are com- new trends coming up each and every year. So yes, thank you so much for those interesting insights. Remember, as I mentioned today, I'm alone. My partners in crime, Dixon and Emmanuel Chenze, are not here with me. But yes, I think that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, bye. This episode is a production of Portable Voices Podcast Network produced by Alan Minani. 24-bit is an ongoing conversation about tech hosted by Emmanuel Chenze, Dixon Atieno, and Nixon Kanali. If you want to shoot your own podcast and shows, reach out to portablevoices.com and follow them on Twitter at portable Voices.